Bear, and this is Sawdust Boogie. If you desire to reconcile being an old soul in a new world, stick around. You're welcome here. Today is March 12th. I'm sitting here in the studio with the one and only Uncle Phil for round two, baby. It had to happen. Of course it did. It had to happen. Glad yeah. to be here. Pumped. Pumped. <laughs> uh, let me talk a little bit about what we've got planned for March 12th. Let's see. What time is it? It's probably 8.30 at night, I would say, is a probably conservative estimate. 7.45? Is that what I just saw? 7.45. And uh, we are about to record this podcast, cook a tri-tip on the PK, and if we're feeling frisky, pop the hood on the love and change a valve cover. How good do you feel about us accomplishing all three of those goals? Man, small, <laughs> small goals. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, basically, let me catch you up. If you haven't listened to episode three, you should stop this and go there now and listen to part one with Uncle Phil where we talked a little bit about his childhood. We talked about some mechanic techniques, survival skills. We talked food. So um, it's definitely worth your time. But this is part two because we realized that we could quickly fill an hour and a half with uh, a very short amount of questions. So here we are with the remainder of the questions. We've got a few extra things added in, but I think the most important thing we want to do is let's just go ahead and catch up with each other. We haven't seen each other in a month. Just about. Yep. We may have glanced across each other's paths, but That's we haven't spent it. time in a, in a month. Talked on the phone a couple times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, what you been up to? Man, it's been busy. That's why you haven't seen me. <laughs> Same. You know, it was kind of supposed to be a downtime for my new business. You know, there were not a lot of new listings going on. Then that started really picking up. So I've been doing quite a bit. I did some, I actually went and did some work during when the snow was on. People wanted pictures while the snow was all over the roads and everything. So yeah. I noticed there's a house two, two uh, lots down that listed their house and, and it's all snow pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It is. But in the midst of all that, my leftover business from before, I still support a couple of businesses, uh, network and servers. I had a really bizarre uh, power surge in a well-protected data room in a business that I support. And somehow we lost, it crashed the heads on a NAS hard drive, server NAS backup, uh, mirrored drives, and a CD-ROM that didn't even have a CD in it. And you're speaking English? Yes, Okay. All right. Basically, you know, a hard drive spins. Yes. Well, the old ones do. A lot of the new ones right. don't. SSDs yep. don't. We're not but, running on a spinning drive right now. Right. But, but um, basically, you have a platter. You have heads that read those platters or own little arms. Yeah, like a little record player. Yes, sir. Even the DVD-ROM that didn't have a CD or DVD in it, it magnetized the heads on every one of them. Stuck them to the platter, scarred the platters, uh, just ruined the DVD player. I mean, there wasn't anything in it for it to scar. It just toasted it. Uh, it was it was just bizarre. So I've built two Linux servers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've brought things back online. I've done some three o'clock in the morning IT work. So oh man, trying to keep that and get that back up online and still do what I'm responsible for with my new franchise. So yeah, yeah. 
Uh, to a much lesser degree, we had a, one of our backup batteries on our system at work went bad the other day, and that's always a pain in the butt. But yes, sir. Got her taken care of. I haven't messed with an APC battery in a long time. Um, but uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so what else has been going on besides that? I know you, you know, got the grand got grandbaby. A, got a new grandbaby. And uh, we've had her the last three weekends, so... Yeah, adjusting. Adjusting. Back to my duck hunting oldest, hours. My early. youngest, my youngest granddaughter was fourteen, so it's been fourteen years since a baby's been at my house overnight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but it's been a fantastic blessing. Yeah. Cool. Ab- amazing blessing. You've been getting outside at all? Oh yeah, yeah, man. I can't stay in much. I mean, uh, like today, I had to go and uh, do two jobs and. I did drone work today, even though it was overcast. There will be some very harsh editing on that. Uh, but mo- overcast is kind of good sometimes, right? But It depends. I, I, for stills, I love it, right? But for moving video, I hate it, right? It, okay. it, it's just not as pretty. And it, it's hard to edit a sky out of a video for for what I do, right? They're not paying enough for a video for you to go and edit a sky out of it. So you really got to shoot it with some blue sky. <laughs> I can see that being the case that you would not want to go put that effort into a home listing. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> um, so to kind of transition us into what we want to talk about for a little bit, um, I've been doing some clearing, some cleaning on the property. Yes, sir. And uh, I, I'm sure my buddy Blake's listening to this, but he, we were talking about axes a little bit. He asked me what I use to clean and clear and uh, I I use basically most of the time I have that uh, S wing uh, camp hatchet or right. camp axe, which is like twenty six inches. Right. But anyway, he has Grand Forest Brooks. Yes, sir. And I believe he has multiple, which is I'm jealous of. I'm, I'm very envious. If he has I know, multiple yeah. Grand Forest Brooks, now I'm you have the, one, right? I have one, and you're you cover it. Mine's the small forest axe. Okay, yeah. Which a lot of guys have that the small forest. That's the axe. one I use. That's the one we. Yeah, we use it even when we're cleaning game. But if you're following me on Facebook, then you saw that I posted a picture and a video today of the 28-inch Plum Boys axe that Uncle Phil gave me a few years back. And not that I didn't appreciate the gift at the time because it's a beautiful axe to me, but I've recently come to understand what damage a good axe with a good proper edge can do to a hard piece of wood. And your comment was, them boys from the north, they don't know what hardwoods is. No, no. sir. No, I mean, I'm not saying they don't have it, but you don't normally, when you see them splitting wood, that's not what you're seeing. Right, yeah. <laughs> so we were splitting some red oak this morning with that that new newly sharpened axe, and it was it was impressive what, what less than four pounds can do. Uh, I hope I'm swinging it properly. When swung properly and sharpened properly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was cool. So um, I was excited to do that, but I was curious. A, I I don't know if there was a backstory to that axe. If there was, I don't remember it, um, or if you just kind of stumbled across it somewhere. Now, do you remember your and and that'll be probably another episode. But do you do remember your plane? Yes, I do. That was uh, great. That was great, Grandpa Hess's. So they both were. They both were. Okay, yeah. that is the reason I wanted you to have it. Is I don't remember if that was. Forgive me here. You'll probably know if you've researched it more. I remember back at the time, but that's either a hand forged or it's a forged head. 
It right. is, yeah. It's not hand forged, it's, but it is. It's, yeah. it's a forged head, and it just makes all the difference in the world in the longevity of one and how they hold an edge and how long you can put an edge on them. Yeah. I mean, you saw yours when you were letting me inspect your edge. Yeah, basically you it was You used untouched, it today, and yeah. you, you had a tiny, tiny bit of roll. You had about the kind of roll you have on, an, on a pocket knife when you cut a cardboard box open, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so I was real impressed with that. The, the plane he's referring to is actually a... I think I dated it to uh, early forties Miller's Falls. Uh, it's a number. It's a, they call it a number fourteen, but it's basically the equivalent to a Stanley number five. But it's a great plane. I got it tuned up, and I actually went to visit one of my employees. Had a friend that knew how to tune it up, and we took that bad boy. And it'll take shavings. And so, you know what? What does that make that thing now? An eighty-year-old tool. Absolutely. That's just wicked sharp and gorgeous. Yeah, and same thing with the the, the plum axe. You know, yeah, it's that incredible. axe is gorgeous. It really is. It is. But it, it made me wonder. Uh, who taught you how to swing an axe? Who taught you how to sharpen that axe? You know, my granddad, my, both of my grandpas, my grandpa Dunn was the one that really taught me how to sharpen one. Um, granddad Ellis is the one that, that, you know, you've heard me laugh before. They don't sell rice shovels around here. <laughs> I got into a little conversation at Home Depot and we won't go too deep into that, but me and another guy that was from, Rice Country happened to be in the Conway Home Depot, and we were discussing their very poor shovel selection. <laughs> I said, look, there's not even any here that'll run water out of the bottom when you scoop the mud. I mean, how you go fill a muskrat hole if there ain't hole, holes in it to drain the water out of the mud to get some good hard pack, you know? <laughs> oh, but, it, you know, he taught me both. Uh, he taught me more how to split. Um but, you know, when I was a kid, now I was not splitting when we were clearing new ground, but there's a lot, not very many people um, that know what clearing stumps out of new ground means. Okay. But back when I was growing up and I talk about the big farm, well, that wasn't just some big rich farmers. I mean, nobody had a, that much money. This was a big conglomeration of family farms and that w one family farmed them all for them all. Every everyone got a piece, right? Right, right. Okay, but we would always working on a new field that we were out there bulldozing and clearing stumps out of, loading them on trailers, getting it to where we could farm it. It's miserable work, <laughs> uh, know, even on the small level that I do it. I mean, I enjoy it, right? But, but it is hard work. You don't know then. Yeah, <laughs> I guess you're right. You know, I we, do now. It was yeah. yeah. You know, I got to ride the I got to ride the old D. What was it? An old D five Caterpillar with Daddy that. You know, and I, I got to throw stumps on the trailer and got to pull the old truck up when I was way too young to be behind the wheel. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they throw those little bonuses in so they don't. you don't realize they're working you like slave labor. <laughs> you know, uh, there was a couple times that I collected square bales with a friend of mine, and his dad would give you jerky. Uh-huh. And uh, it was really to keep, keep your mouth moist, you know, because right. it's such a terrible, rough job, you know. <laughs> But just like the reward of the jerky kind of kept you going. But uh, I will tell you this, loading hay on a trailer is one thing. My allergies cannot handle unloading a trailer into a hay barn. I'm talking, it's miserable for me. Hey, look, I'll tell you a quick story about hay. So I come from rice and soybean and peaches with my grandpa and truck patch, you know, and potatoes, all that, right? I move when I first get out of high school, I moved to Jonesboro and I go to work for a Ford tractor company that sells all hay equipment and stuff, right? We're in a totally different country. 
it's they're they've got cattle, they got hay, they've got all this stuff up there that I'm not used to. We're only fifty miles apart. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. But <laughs> I had a buddy of mine that suckered me into load going and helping him throw hay, and I'm like, well, I mean, how much hay can there be? You know, when he pulls up with three gooseneck trailers, I was like, yeah, man. what did I say I was okay with, you know? They don't make enough Coors Light for this. You know, that was what my pay was going to be. <laughs> I was like, I already did it. Well, the bad part is for the first hour, and I was a strapping guy, right? I was in amazing shape, strong. He watched me struggle. And I know he was laughing his butt off, but he watched me struggle trying to throw those bales on that trailer. I'm picking them, tossing them forward. You know, I'm, I mean, and, and look, about an hour in, I feel like I've been at a total workout doing, you know, CrossFitness. I'm hurt. There's nothing on me that don't hurt. And so I get to notice it. And he's like, how you're not very observant. I noticed that they're all just kind of letting it come to them and walk in the trailer and they're standing with their back to the trailer <laughs> and they're using their legs and they're tossing them up over their back. Right. Oh, wow. here I am. I'm picking them up. I'm winding them up and slinging them up there like a softball pitch. <laughs> just wearing it out. Oh, dude. Yeah. They were amazed I could throw them four stacks. I like that. <laughs> I've never had to do a gooseneck. I didn't realize how much, how much higher that is. Oh, I've yeah, always because just done they, a, when they get the yeah. first two or three layers on, they just keep walking up, you know, and then you've got to pitch them over your back up to them. Wow. And there's somebody up there catching them and stagging them. But that was my first experience. I was like, mm, boy, wow. I'm going to be really busy next time he asks somebody <laughs> to help do this. <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't didn't enjoy that. And really, there was all sorts of like, it, it was a small cattle farm, so we we did everything, but... The other thing that always sticks in my mind, well, one is how cute little calves are. Like, is the man? They're so adorable. They are. Um, and then the other is that uh, there was a, a hay. I, I don't know if they call it a barn, where you, like a feed barn that you would have in on the the plot of acres, so they could keep it out of the rain and eat from it, basically. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, he said, "Hey, there's some uh, tin missing off that roof. I need you to go take it over there." He said, "It's greenwood." So have you ever hammered into Greenwood? Of course, I'm young and arrogant. You know, I got my <laughs> framing S-wing in my truck, you know, uh, that, that I've had one summer with Nabholtz as a, as a laborer. Oh, you know? this is And good. I thought, oh, yeah, I can, I can nail a board. And so I get out there, and I'm climbing on this thing, and I got the, the nails and the hammer. And I'm talking, it, it might have been like, it might as well have been like hammering into straight steel. Oh, yeah. It wasn't going down. No. It, and I thought, man, you can do this. Like, what's going on here? And I kept trying it and trying it and couldn't get it. And finally, I had to go grab the owner's dad. And he's like this 80-year-old man, you know, drives an old, like, 92 S10 extended cab, Marine stickers can, on the windows. You I'm, can picture I'm the truck. See, I'm seeing it in my head right yeah, now. Yeah. Two-wheel drive. He ain't oh, messing yeah, around absolutely. with no four-wheel drive. I don't need no four-wheel drive. Yeah. It make burns gas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he comes out there, man, jumps on that roof. Kind of reminded me of uh, Hank Hill's dad, you know. Remember right. his knees were oh, blown yeah. out. Yeah. So anyway, jumps up there. If if the fries are listening, that's this is that was not an insult. He was an awesome man. But anyway, so he jumps on the roof and just smacks him right in there. And I just thought, what the heck, man? And he's like, you just got to get after it. And I, I still never figured it out, you know, but. Yeah, that was just. That was the other let me thing ask I you one question: that. Was he using the same kind of hammer and the same kind of nails you were? 
Or did he have his own little nail pouch when he crawled it, it up there? It was so long ago, I really don't remember anymore, honestly. Yeah. 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 You know, but, my uh, granddad used to use concrete nails for that. Oh, really? Are you making a joke? No. Greenwood that they had cut and just threw something up and you Man, couldn't get in it? Yeah. It, but they were like horseshoe nails. They were, they had, they had four sharp sides on them and they were like a wedge. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You crawl up there with a 16 penny, you can't drive it in with a sledgehammer. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it was miserable. <laughs> it was absolutely miserable. Most of the stuff we had, they did dry so you didn't have it that bad. But boy, you'd catch that once in a while. That's yeah. funny. I knew exactly where you were going to. Like, but the thing is, is I remember now like being, being an arrogant kid again, like even the process of getting a 16 penny nail through a piece of tin is not the easiest if you don't know what you're doing. No. And so it was just, it was not fun at all, but, but I was just, I could not believe now, that dude just crawled up. Now imagine if you had, you know, the screws we have now and screw guns. Well, you'd have to have some tough screws to get oh, through dude, that stuff. I, I've thought about that actually. Those yeah. self-tappers now, I believe they would have been really handy back then. Oh yeah, man. Absolutely. That, and an yeah, impact driver. And an 18 volt cordless drill. Yeah. <laughs> impact driver is, is, is the most amazing thing I've ever. Air I, nailer. Yeah. I think I bought my first impact driver when I built this studio because I was I, I just thought, man, this is this seems like this will help out a lot. And I remember it took a lot of getting used to because it kept popping off the head of the screw. I mean, yeah, it's hard to contain one when you first use it. You have to once it down. you get it. Holy cow, man. Yeah, it's have, a game changer. It is. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. It's the, you don't think about those things anymore. Yeah. We just don't do things that way anymore. I know. Yeah. Um, it's funny, like speaking of vintage tools, like, uh, have you ever heard of a pit saw? A pit saw. A pit saw. I mean, this is, I'm assuming 1800s, even earlier, probably, but basically a pit saw was how you would rip lump, rip boards off of a long log. Okay. And what it was, was you would have, uh, you know, like in BMX, what a set of doubles is like, yeah. a, okay. So it's basically like a set of doubles. Right. And uh, there's somebody at the top of the pit that's walking across the doubles, running the saw up and down from top handles. Okay. And then there's somebody in the pit pulling down and pushing up. Oh, wow. And that's a pit saw. Oh, that's <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you'll have to look one up sometime. I will have and to. You guys need to do it too. It's incredible. You, you'll just crazy. find some drawings of it and stuff. So that, it's basically a, a different take on a crosscut saw. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think that I don't want to talk about I, I'm not knowledge. What, what What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know enough about its actual use to, to be able to know what where it came from and but it's cool, man. Absolutely. It's cool for sure. Um, but what were we? What? Where did? We, how did we get off of that? Let's see. We better refer to our cue cards here, Phil. Well, I know you were. I know you were headed where you were headed. I oh, think. well. So we're we're on track. Yeah. We were talking about who taught you how to use your yep. your first axe. That's right. Yeah. So, I think who taught you how to sharpen? Do you remember that? Oh yeah, definitely, Granddad Ellis. And was it on an Arkansas stone? I'm assuming. Oh, a whole set. Yeah. Let me. Granddad Ellis, the 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 old farmhouse had an upstairs that had one bedroom, but it was all floored. And by the time Dad and his sister and brother were gone, that was a playroom, and the rest of the upstairs was storage and playroom. Sweet. On the way up the stairs. Granddad had a little floored cubby 
that for the longest, the grandkids weren't tall enough to crawl up that stair with no banister up into his little cubby. He just pushed a door open, turned the <laughs> light on, went in there, and he had hardware. It looked like an Ace Hardware times an old timer factory times. I, mean, I just can't, and it was that way. It, oh. Even when the tornado hit it years ago, it was still that way. Oh, how cool, man. It was. So he had his stash of Sears or old timer, whoever had them on sale. Of brand new knives, you know, for when his were, you know, blades were down to, <laughs> to none. He always had like three back. Was, Where do you think I get it? <laughs> yeah. But he always, he had brand new Arkansas stones, you know, the whole nine yards. Wow. Up there. That's it. That is impressive, though. Right. But he'd go up there and he'd pull his rubber band with his old uh, oil cloth wrapped stones and he'd grab his three in one oil and we'd go out and sit down and, they just were just, so he would use them until they were so thin. I think he was just going to break it and cut his legs. Wow. Knife, you know, you know my, my, I remember my grandpa, we talked about he used K-Bar all the time. But yeah. I mean, just toothpicks of a blade on those things. You know, for everything he did, a three-blade old-timer was just absolutely all he ever needed. He had a rice shovel in the back of the truck that was sharp enough he could have beheaded people. <laughs> 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 Which was for cotton mouths and... Anything pesky, so yeah, that's why he kept it so sharp. Man, yeah, that's that's crazy. But um, so he used three and one on an Arkansas stone. He would. It depend. Now he had some that were all water stones. Okay, and for those, he went out there. He got drew water out of his well. Man. He didn't use the tap wa- city water once they had it. It was so funny because Grandma and all his grandkids made him keep one little bit bathroom, one faucet inside the house, big old deep. Uh, cast iron sink in the washroom that had the the well water and we had a spigot outside that was well water. That That's cool. That's cool. And it, if you could turn it on, it's still there, that part. But I love the taste of well water. You know, we, like I was telling you, I grew up drinking a lot of them out of the big old rice wells. Yeah. That was a treat because yeah. it was just cold. You didn't need no ice. You didn't. That's need- the thing. I like that temperature. I, yeah. I really do. Um. But that's that was the one that taught me how to sharpen, and it's he was just a lot of my OCD comes from him. Um, I'm going to make you take a note right now that one of the future podcasts, and we're going to tease it because we're not going to go into it right now. But you have to make me tell the story when I was when me and my brother Chris were really young, and Grandma and Granddad took us to Dog Patch. Oh, you know it just got bought. I know. Yeah. Well, I'm we pumped when it was in its grandeur, trout right. ponds and all. Okay, yeah. Let me let, so, let me leave myself a note here. Yes, sir. Because that's a good one. That that one was really funny. All right, note left. They they are going to have campsites there, oh, and my. and Jessica and I have already talked about taking the teardrop out there. Okay, and uh, staying because I, I want to go bad. Look, I've been up and down the train. I was there when they had little Abner and all of them running around. I yeah, mean, man, I got to feed the trout. I mean, we went and it was it was cool. And I'm kicking myself uh, at a flea market a while back. They had a lot of those like uh, they were like quarter quarter ply like hardboard uh, figurines, but they were all the dog patch figurines. And they oh were, wow, they were cheap enough that I was almost going to get them. And then I found out that they got bought. And it's Bass Pro owner is the one that bought it, right? I think so. Yeah. I think and so. I think he's going to return it to its full glory. I hope so. That was a really cool, you know, in the middle of nowhere, the train up the hill. The train up the hill was phenomenal. Uh, man, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. You parked and then you got on this, this thing that went all the way down the mountain. 
to the park. It was crazy. You know, the only thing I've seen is abandoned footage, like drone footage. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you, are you on, you're on Instagram? Yeah. Do you follow It's Abandoned? I mean, no, like, I oh, don't. Oh, I need my to. goodness. They're like a, a giant account, but yeah, check that out. I'll but, have to. But anyway, that's how I saw Dog Patch. And okay. then another one that's been real popular, I've noticed, is uh, Wild River Country's been on a lot of abandoned uh, drone that footage. just happened. Uh, like maybe 10 years ago? No, no. Wild River Country has only been out of business a year or two. No way. Yeah. It looks like it's, I think maybe time's flying. No, no. It was, it was the, they closed Where, Where's the our year. fact checker? I think you'll have to look it up, but I think they closed in 18. Well, I don't want to slow the podcast down, no. but. Um, Somebody will correct us. That's for sure. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I could be wrong, but uh, you're talking about the one right there, Crystal Hill. Yeah. 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 Now, I think that wouldn't close right the year before the year before COVID. I think it was 18. Well, I'm petitioning somebody well, needs to buy back that. Wild River Country. That was 18. That was four years ago. Yeah. So the four years sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I typically don't like those kind of water parks, but I do like a good wave pool. You know what I'm saying? That one was pretty neat. I yeah. took the kids there when they were young. Yeah. Um, We may so, or may not have had. Our pictures on badges for Magic Springs as well when we first moved here. <laughs> yeah. I'd go to work. Donna would load the kids up. They'd go to Magic Springs. Yeah, that used to be a pretty popular deal, but I feel like it's kind of waning popularity, kind of like uh, like SeaWorld kind of stuff, like people feel bad for the animals these days, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we better not get into that. No. They um, took better care of the employees than that. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and moving right along. Okay, so um, – since we're on uh, axes, are there any quick axe or hatchet tips that you want to share with anybody? Man, you know, no, just uh, you just always want to make sure that when you're starting off your young man with one, uh, get something in their size and really teach them properly how to handle it. You would not imagine. How, I, I've cut myself so many times sharpening my axe, I'm embarrassed to say. Yeah, you know. It's uh, tricky to sharpen an axe. And you really can slice a finger good when you're sharpening a good sharp axe. Yeah, you know what? And I shouldn't have. Uh, I should have had some leather gloves on when I was doing mine the other day. You and need I to took put a- them in a fish skin and chain glove and yeah. use a puck. Well, I'm going to be honest. I really loved the fish skin and gloves you gave me. Right. And then one day I noticed that Arlo loved them as well, <laughs> and he had little blue pieces all over the place. And I knew immediately I had lost my my because those are my favorite deer deer cleaning gloves. Right. Yeah. So you have the pucks too. But I'll leave that. That's the other yeah, thing. Yeah, the like. Lansky puck. I've I been, love the I've Lansky I've been wanting puck. to get one, yeah. Love the Lansky um, puck. So the one tip, because uh, I've, I've been kind of nerding out again. Again, I, I've done this every couple of years. But uh, one tip that I saw the other day, which is really super safe, is that when you, find, when you finish that stroke with that axe, it always needs to be parallel to the ground. So you need to adjust the height of your body if Absolutely. you need to squat a little bit or, or stand tall to make sure that when you're done with that stroke, it's parallel to the ground. If it's, if it's, if you're too high, then you can have that ax swing back and into you. And then you're possibly cutting into a toe or golly, an ankle. So yeah, that, I thought that was a pretty incredible tip. Yeah. And then the other one that I think is really important is that like, like out here, I, I've got to have two different edges on two different types of axe. There's a whole different ball game between a mall edge yes. and a, a boy's axe edge, you know? That's right. And and that, again, is completely different than what my pocket knife has. And well, it, and so, you know, you're going to use different stuff for splitting different kinds of wood, too. Absolutely, you yeah. Know, you're not going to take your axe and go at a, 
a real piece of hardwood that's, you know, you're going to go at that thing with a mall and a, something appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these things, and we won't go too deep in it, but I love the fine art of being able to, to chop and to do all of that stuff. And, you know, there's something about being able to hit your mark, which I'm not very good at over and over. Yeah. But they make so many cool tools now. Have you seen the ones now that they just screw down into it and split them? Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and then there's also the the ring that they have where you can set the log in there, and there's basically yep. a cross-hatched blade on the bottom. Yes, sir. But this is – I'm glad you brought this up because uh, – so back to my, uh, my little uh, Facebook conversation with Blake. He said, what tools do you use when you clear land? And I excitedly typed all these tools that I use out, and then I, I immediately went back and I thought, well, wait a second. There's nothing manly about loppers. Uh, but, but then this is what I want to say is I don't have time to go out and, and hone an ax edge every time I want to go clear something. And as much as I love the idea of that, you're right. There are way too many cool tools and, and better tools for the job. Sometimes let me tell you something, a Fisker power gear lopper has a two inch capacity. Yes, sir. And I've cut every bit of two inches in that thing. Now I'm a big guy. I, I've got a lot of power. But I'm telling you, if you don't have one of those things in your ATV or side by side, I happen to run a golf cart, uh, then then you're 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 working too hard. That's the bottom line. Before Christmas, I took an entire old dead hedgerow that my mother, my stepmom wanted out with my Ryobi 18 volt ones. That's the next thing I was going to say. Um, 18 volt a sawzall. And you go get yourself a Diablo pruning blade for that sucker. Oh, yeah. And you can do a lot of damage with that. And so, you know, when I'm trying to clear a trail, it's not about, I don't care about the pride of doing it all with an axe. I want a clear trail. I need it, you know. You know, but a lot of things that get overlooked, too. A good, small 16 to 18 inch bar. Not just your average chainsaw for the average Joe that never use it. You need a farm rated home, uh, a ranch and farm rated one. It's funny that we did not, we did not preempt this or uh, pre-plan this, but um, I went to Conway Farm and Home today to buy two new chains for the season. Right. Uh, they just came out with a new two-in-one file that'll do your, uh, your rakers and your teeth at the same time. Oh, that's cool. Uh, uh, cutters, cutters and rakers. Right. Sorry. And I also picked up another multi-tool because I, I gave mine to John uh, when I was there last time. But I thought, I, I need to talk about my steel because mine is base, baseline. Actually, mine's called the Mini Farm Boss. Right. And so it's a 180, an MS-180 or something with a 16-inch bar on it. And it's nothing that's not controllable by, I mean, you can, you don't have to be a huge person to run these saws, but they, 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 they're game changers. They are. And, and you got, the reason you want to go the farm and ranch is not because the bar is not any bigger, right? It's that they put just a little bit bigger motor on those. So you'd be surprised how much safer a higher horsepower motor is that don't have to labor. When one labors or hangs, that's when you get hurt. Well, in a dull chain, do not chain. do not use a dull chain. Uh, Loose bar. I've seen more people that don't even check their bar before they fire it up. Yeah. Other thing I love to watch: somebody don't know how to drop the saw to start it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it's hard to explain how to do that without a without a video camera. It really is. We'll have to show how to do that sometime. Yeah. There's I'm a sure couple there's things a lot of like folks that. out there that don't use them very often. 
that have one that you fight and you fight. I have to go over, I'll go over to my stepmom's and I'll get her stuff like that running for her once a year. So once she goes to use it, it's easier to start. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when I, that was a game changer for her. She had one and it's like, I can't use that thing. Yeah. It's Folks like, putting on ethanol fuel in your small engines. Yes, nothing sir. but if you don't have a gas station where you can get it, Home Depot even sells it. It's a little expensive if you got to buy it from them. And store it with Stay Bill. Store it with Stay Bill. Yeah. And the Stay Bills now, there are different Stay Bills for different fuel products. So you have a Stay Bill diesel, you have a Stay Bill for ethanol, and you have a Stay Bill for non ethanol. Now, um, I thought the diesel. It, it, it it's ages more, at a slower rate, I it's guess. Not it breaks even, down. It's more what they sell, I think, is probably an anti-gel. Oh, okay. But I'm just saying there's different. When you go to that aisle, be specific what you're looking for because they have other products now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I didn't mean for this to turn into a chainsaw tips, but, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, but it's another little piece, you know, especially with what you do out here. Yeah, so, and quickly, I'll, I'll go over those those tools that I use, and this is a very regular basis um, and I, I'm nerdy enough that I can remember the names pretty well. So it's a 26-inch S-Wing Camp Axe. You can get that, I think, at Home Depot. I think that's less than 40 bucks. Oh, yeah. Uh, killer little axe. You cannot beat it up. So here's the deal. You may not be ready to swing a wooden-handled axe. You're going to miss a couple times, and you're going to smack that handle, and it's going to hurt, and it's going to scare you. So... Sometimes it might be better for somebody that's just learning to get a metal. Uh, that's S-Wing brags about the fact that that's one solid, uh, as you taught me last episode, full tang, one-piece metal. metal. Yes, yeah. sir. So 26-inch uh, camp axe. The other one is the Fiskars Power Gear Loppers. Those things are incredible, man. They really are. Yeah. Um, and then whatever 18-volt system or whatever you've got, that Sawzall blade, I always keep one of those on me. I think they're like 10 or 12 inches. I keep a pair of them in the golf cart. You know, look, even for what we just went through, you know, I know not a lot of people probably had a problem. We didn't have a lot of ice. We had a lot of snow. Yeah. But let's say it was ice. You know, that alone would take a small tree in enough that you could move it out of your driveway to get your car in it now. Yeah. Even if you didn't have a chainsaw. Yeah, absolutely. And anybody can use it. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's not the fastest thing in the world, and no. so that's the deal. But it's a safe way to do things if you're scared of something like a chainsaw. Yeah. Um, the, and before we get to the chainsaw, I use, um, I don't know, the. it's the Fisker's manual pole saw, and it's actually got a pruner on there on a cable as well. But I have found, I've run, I've borrowed people's uh, power pole saws. That is miserable. Yeah. That is a lot of weight to have to balance. The motor's vibrating. I just do not enjoy it. No. And so for me, as little, like when I'm limbing back my trees, which I usually try and do 10 feet and below, the, the manual pole saw is, is great for that. Absolutely. Um, and then finally, like I said, Steel Mini Farm Boss or MS-180 if they don't brand it as a Mini Farm Boss anymore. But uh, I keep a 16-inch bar on there, and I keep a sharp chain. And if... the one thing that I think that uh, my, my friend John and I have come up with after having some friends that have had some pretty serious chainsaw accidents is if you're doing anything more than lemon, you need to have a second saw there to bail you out of situations. Absolutely. Because you're going to do, you're going to try and work that saw harder than you need to. You're going to think it can do more than it can, and you're going to get yourself in a situation that's hard to back out of. So you need to have some wedges with you. Yep. You need to have a solid hammer with you yep. or axe that can hammer. 
And you need to have, if you can at all do it, have a second saw. And really, if you're first getting started, have a second person there with you. And it really don't hurt to have a chain and a come along. No, that's another great one. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So that get you out of a lot of binds. Yeah. That'll yeah. get you out of a lot of a binds, not just with, with wood. And, you know, I just watched a video on, on a proper, like, uh, some, some come along tips. And uh, I always keep one in the golf cart. I've yep. always known how to use one to a crude level. Right. But, yeah, that's a powerful tool to have in your People arsenal. That, uh, it's a, it gets very underestimated. It does, What you yeah. can do with it. Yeah. And what's the other one that they call it? Ladder jack? Uh, like the old school jacks that have Hijacker, the, yeah. Yeah, a hijack. Yeah, those are, that's another one that this essential craftsman, if you guys don't follow that dude on YouTube, man, you are missing out. He is... Now he's he's another Uncle Phil. I mean, he's just a wealth of knowledge, but he swears by the the high lift. Yeah, they have their limits, and you need to know when to use them. And that's a, he said it's it can be a dangerous jack. Yeah, uh, yeah. My papa Dunn had one that was wore out. The locks didn't work very well, and he was trying to pick the back of his tractor up one day with it under from under the hitch. Oh no! And it started it come loose, and you know how they jack and how they ratchet. Well, this thing, the tractor's coming down, and that thing's hitting him under, hit him under the chin twice, knocked him plumb out. Oh my! He's goodness. laying in the middle of the shop floor, knocked plumb out by the handle of that jack. Wow! Caught him right under the chin like a boxer. Man, that's crazy. There, you gotta know how to use them too. Don't just go pick one up. And jack oh my up. goodness! Well, jacks in general, I mean, they can be dangerous, but, but you know the little mechanism that you reverse them with. Yeah, yeah. You know, and is it locked or do I have it in ratchet where I'm coming down? Yeah, it's funny. That's what scares a lot of people away from come-alongs. I think just like a, um, a, a the thing you use to pull your boat onto your trailer. What do they call that? Yeah, uh, the, just just a, a come-along. Yeah. yeah, manual winch. Okay, so quickly, if you haven't heard me say it already, my only rule about shopping at Harbor Freight for all you DIYers out there is if it holds you up or holds something above you, you might want to get it somewhere else. <laughs> Boy, that's a that, that's not bad advice. Uh, They've and, come and, a long way. But, you know, but let me say this. I've been saying that probably for 10 years, and this was they just had that recall on their jack stands. And further reinforced that my uh, my theory is correct. You know, I don't generally like to risk my life on anything that, you know, came from Dollar General or (laughs) something to that degree. That's what scares me about the winches, honestly. Uh, Like they're cheap enough and you would think, yeah, it's nice. It'd be nice to have a recovery winch from them. You know, those now, a lot of their products have come up like they've started carrying a line that's really competitive with Snap-on toolboxes. Those are really nice. Yeah, the U.S. General stuff. They're tools. Not to mention really. they have it in like multiple colors there. And look, the tools, oh their goodness. tools are great. You know, they finally got some fine tooth ratchets that'll hold up. You pay for them, but half what you did on the Snap-on truck back in the day. Yeah, but I think that you got to really. They carry Daytona. You know, if you if you're not afraid to go and do a little research and you go get a brand that you know is going to work. Like if you go get a Daytona three and a half ton jack, you're getting a Daytona three and a half ton jack, right? Yeah. Valid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And even Badlands, if they're making a Xeon, uh, Warren, uh, I saw type winch and it's really, really got some really good reviews and rate. And people have pretty much tortured it to death. And, uh, it's actually what's so funny. It's got a better uh, water resistant and dust resistant rating than the Warren. Really? Yeah. So well, good. I've been looking at them. Yeah. I fully yeah. say 
know what you're dealing with. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and uh, I don't think that Harbor Freight is trying to hide the fact that some of their stuff is literally as cheap as you can get it. They're giving you flashlights and tarps and, <laughs> exactly. and other incentives. Yeah, absolutely. I they but, have um, really um, they really changed the world for a lot of DIYers. Absolutely. Yeah. You know. And tools have gotten a lot more expensive Look, these man, days, you, too. You know, you, they took Radio Shack from us. I'm so bummed about that. And, you know, the, you and I are two people that relied on those stupid drawers with yeah. capacitors and resistors and jacks. Absolutely. And when some dude came in that needed some weird rating on a pot, they usually had it. Yep. Um, and same kind of thing. Like they weren't the best components in the world, but they were there when you needed them. Yep. Man, I miss that Radio Shack. I, I do really too. do. Yeah. But you know, those are the kind of things that have, that we look up. I told Donna the other day. I can't remember. We were going through a little small town. I'm. I don't remember where we were. Oh yeah, I do. Clinton, Arkansas, still has a Radio Shack. Somebody said that, but I thought that. Um, did you go in? It looked open. So here's what I think it is. Okay. I think it's only like a cell phone and satellite seller. Or like okay. A, yeah, I think they're just a third part. So I think, because I feel like in some point and out of desperation, I was like, oh, there's still one in Clinton, and they don't have the parts drawers, buddy. Well, no, they did all of that. You know, they, it, they somehow, didn't the company that bought fries, or didn't, didn't, didn't they... Take it online. I don't, online. Know. I don't, I don't know, know either. Fries, we don't even, I mean, I've been to plenty of fries and they're oh, but awesome. The, but Yeah, but the, their fries there, I saw something the other day where the fries in Dallas is just not what it once was. I, that was one of my things. You would talk about a nerd. When I went to Dallas, if I was close to fries, I was going to fries. <laughs> That's where I bought my welder soldering iron. Like, where else can you go and shop for soldering irons? Oh, you know? man, are you kidding me? I love yeah, that place. Uh, by the way, uh, any of you that know me, I always recommended the Weller WES-51 soldering station. Moment of silence. It has been discontinued and is no longer supported. I'm going to give it five seconds. Okay, on that note, I did throw down the big money and get my first Hacko iron, and uh, it's been all right. It's I miss my weller bad. I don't want to get nerdy on, on talking about I'm soldering try irons. To, no, but, but I'm going to try to stay away from that nerdy stuff again because I've made up my mind when I get back to that, or if I get back to that, I'm going air solder. Well, I, I haven't looked into air solder, but for me, it's... I mean, it's a livelihood. I have to use that thing all That's the time. That's what I like. You just talk about not damaging components and boards. And that air is so controllable. And they have them now to where you can dial them down just like a airbrush. Really? I mean, if you got little tiny components, you're having to desolder and resolder. It's the only way to go. Well, and so I don't necessarily do a lot of that. But, right. But I do, I do have to dial mine down quite a bit to do uh, cheaper parts. You yeah, know? and, and yeah. you don't want to take that. You use a, a flux core, right? Uh, rosin core, yeah. Rosin core, yeah. so you can, you're, you've got to have a big, hefty iron that's hot. Yeah, I run it at, uh, I can tell you exactly, and I can also tell you how far off it is from the weller, but I used to run the weller at 650 degrees, Okay, and that was my standard, run it like that all day long. Right. Uh, the new Hacko runs at 600, and that's the same that that's the same exact response that I, I got from say, that weller. Mine, mine, I have to run at like 625. Yeah, 
And then if I really got to get something hot, like for instance, any of you guitar nerds, if you're soldering a ground to the back of a tremolo claw and you got to heat that sucker up so hot, then, then I'll usually crank up to 700, 750. But you got to be careful. Um, back to the Weller iron. And I, I don't want to dwell on this too long because there's probably not that many guitar nerds that listen, but you can roast those units. If you, if you run them at that max temp too much and too long, you can roast those units. And that's what did it to ours. We were using a, a neck separating needle that hooks up to them at, I think they run max at 850. And I not only burned one, I burned two of them up. I'm so sad about it. I'm trying to move forward. It's a struggle. Every morning I wake up, I think of those irons. The poor guy, you got too much resistance in your neck separating iron. Yeah, well, it's still you a, were it's, overloading them. It's still a it's a very new technique. It's not it's something that's been developed in the last couple of years. So there's still a lot of questions in the air as far as what works best with what. But we gave it a shot. But we need to move on from soldering oh, irons. Yeah. Uh, that's that's getting nerdy. But where we did want to go was let's talk about this new sawmill that I picked up. It's oh, not yeah. new. It's, um, I'm assuming it's probably been sitting for anywhere between two to five years, I think is fair to say. Probably. Speaking of Harbor Freight, it is the Harbor Freight 20-inch sawmill. I think the track is 10 feet long, maybe, or something like that. But it has on there a Predator motor. Right. The I bought this saw from my best friend, John. John bought this saw from unknown individual on Facebook who was actually, they were going to buy a planer from. And the guy said, I never even put it together. I've never put the oil in the motor. Sold it to John. John's had it probably a year and a half, and I just acquired it. So this is not necessarily a typical circumstance where you have a fresh motor that's been sitting for three to five years, and you don't know what's been going on. But what are some things that, that, let's say we talked about buying the vintage snapper. I noticed there was one on Facebook Marketplace. I did not pick it up. I'm proud of myself. But let's say you get that first small engine. You don't know what's been done to it. You don't know anything about it. Talk me through it. Well, there's a couple of things with small engines that are pretty easy to check. One, you want to make sure that it's it's free and it'll turn over by hand, you know, depending. Um, always you can pull the spark plug out of it and turn it over and put your finger over the hole, make sure it blows it off, make sure it's got compression. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times you can roll it down enough with a light that you can look down in the cylinder, see what the cylinder looks like. Oh man, I never even thought of that. Yeah. yeah. To see if there's excessive wear in there, I guess, or and rust. And we're really getting nerdy on yours because I have a camera on the end of one that's got a little thing we'll put oh, in the yeah. cylinder and we'll look at those cylinder walls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, that's easy, easy for anyone. And, and the thing of it is. These are not tolerances that we're running for, you know, ethanol fuel dragsters. The tolerances are a lot looser on something that's not got nearly the compression or nearly the horsepower, or nearly the right. head, you know, nearly the cylinder compression uh, pressure. In terms of vintage stuff that's been yeah. kind of sitting around, you know, it, a little blow by is not going to keep your engine from running. No. A little white smoke ain't that bad when you're rolling down the streets of Cabot in your 64 Imperial. Well, you just kind of got to decide when it becomes too much smoke. We're, we're going to just charge you more carbon credits, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely don't. Uh, we're talking small engines here, but uh, <laughs> yeah. no, but the big thing is you're tinkering, right? You just want to see if you get it running. And you know, at that point you see what kind of shape it's in. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. 
But, okay, you know. so we're going to inspect the cylinders. We're going to see if we can see any excessive rust. You're going well, to stick your nose in the fuel tank and make sure it don't smell like uh, turpentine. Yeah, or, you want to smell some good lacquer. Right, dinner. yeah, yeah. You want to smell gas. Absolutely, yep. Uh, and if you do smell lacquer immediately, look at, in there and see what kind of condition it is. Don't just dump gas in it and flush all that mess through your fuel system. Okay, so my first assumption would be if I see that in my tank, then the rest is fried, and I might as well just clean it all out. It just depends. Well, you're going to have to clean it all out anyway. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's just like even with a car. That Unfortunately, that's the part people don't really like to do. You take a car that's been sitting for a long time. You know, now we've got cars that are really old that have fuel injected. Varnish and fuel injectant. Uh, a system that's oh, fuel injected I can't even imagine. with a high-pressure fuel pump that's had ethanol fuel sitting in it and evaporated for 15 years, well, you're going to have to take the whole fuel system apart and clean it or replace it. Man, next the, the future generations, that's what you got to look forward to, kids. Absolutely. I'm not messing with that junk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing stuff pre, I'll say, 85 is about when <laughs> my 85 Toyota had a carburetor on right. a 22R. right. Uh, and and I think the eighty six was an RE, but right, uh, but yeah, okay. So so if it's it's really not that hard to clean a carburetor on no. a on a on a small no, most engine. Most of those have a little less than a foot long fuel line. Yeah, that you can pick up for a few nickels. Let me throw a tip in right now. Go to your local guitar store. Buy a pack of guitar strings. If they're real nice, they'll give you a couple plain steel strings, which are the small strings on a guitar. You can use those to clean your jets and any small inlets on that carburetor. There is no better tool. I promise you that. That's right. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to take the, the uh, what do they call it? The, the float bowl off. Absolutely. You need to clean that out. Yep. You need to find make that sure. main jet and clean that jet out. Make sure that the needle and seat, if it's that old, make sure that it's not stuck open or closed. Yeah. Now, let me keep going. And you tell me if I do something wrong. All so right. my next thing is I'm the type of guy, I'm just going to go ahead and replace any fuel lines that are there because there's usually just six inches or less. That's it. I'm going to take that tank off. I'm going to wash that sucker out, get yep. everything out of there and let it dry completely. Yes, sir. And then I'm going to put a fresh plug in that baby. I'm going to hook it up, put some clean fuel, and I'm going to start pulling. Yep. Did I miss any steps? Nope. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you've already been through, I'm assuming, pulled the air cleaner and looked at it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. You want, so, now, yeah. let me tell you a little secret. One of the things that tend to make older stuff not run properly, and it gets overlooked because you can't really see it, is in the air intake, dirt daubers love to get up in that thing. Oh, yeah, they do. So if it wasn't properly sealed off to where they couldn't get in it, you may just not be getting any air in your engines or reason it won't run. So, so I'm going to hearken back to a, a tip or a trick that I saw you do on my four-wheeler, which was we took the breather cover off, yep. we took the filter off, yep. and and you you said that same thing. You said there might be something blocking us here. And so we uh, went ahead and cranked it or turned it over yep. just to get compression moving, and yep. you put your hand on that inlet, yep. and boom, what happened? We unlocked magic, yep. and it fired right up. Yep. So. That's a quick little trick you can do, right? Is to yep. go ahead and block that and, and, and force and that air back in. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes, too, what you're doing, you're completely killing the air and you're flooding it. And so if you've got a, a needle and seat that's stuck a little bit from varnish, sometimes that pounding will, that, of that will knock it enough loose, too, that it'll let the bowl fill up with fuel. 
Yeah, cool. The other thing that I want to throw in that you also told me about was Heat. H-E-E-T. Yeah. It's a bottle you can go buy. I think it's for diesel motor stuff, right? Is that what it... It's really alcohol, but yeah, it's 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 a... Uh, it's just to get rid of, of any water. Yeah, so... Moisture. And, and this is not... I'm not going to say do this to that mercury motor that you pick up, that mercury boat motor, but what I am saying is if you accidentally forget to winterize something or, God forbid, you leave your lawnmower out in the rain one weekend then throw some heat in that gas tank, yep. let it work itself through. And then what I try, this is what I do now that if I run into that, I'm going to dump any fuel out of there that I can. Yep. I'm going to try and get all of it out. Yep. And then I'm going to pour some heat just a little bit with what's left. Yep. And as soon as that thing runs a little bit and starts to sputter out that old fuel, I'm going to put some nice clean fuel back in it. Yep. And that'll save you a lot of times. You won't have to crack that float bowl off right. and do all that junk, you know? Right. But, uh, well, yeah, I, I just wanted to talk a little bit about that. So yep. that's our plan of attack. Expect to see some videos. I am pumped about this sawmill. If you guys know anything about me, I mean, first of all, I have timber on my land that is the stuff that I want to take down. None of my equipment is going to handle anything bigger than what this mill can handle. So to me, that's exciting. You know, my yeah, I have a 26 horse four wheel drive tractor with a front front loader. Right. I'm going to get a small set of forks for that. Right. I have a small chainsaw that can handle a, maybe a 20 inch bar max, you know? Right. So considering all those things and my trailers, I don't have a gooseneck. I don't have any of that huge stuff. Like I feel like I am ready and set up for this 20 inch mill and I'm about to start sawing, boys and girls. <laughs> I can't Let me wait. tell you that right now. So one thing that I do want to do is I notice a lot of people extend the tracks on them so they can do a longer. I want to be able to start doing cedar posts. I, right. I don't want to have to. The lumber prices are outrageous, outrageous right now. Outrageous. Yeah. If I can cut myself six by six cedar posts, then I'm just going to start doing that for now, you know? Absolutely. Especially if I can find everybody's trying to get rid of cedars these oh, days yeah. around here. So. Yeah. Um, so we're going to move on from the small engine talk. Uh, we've talked about hatchets. We've talked about what we're trying to do today, which is still put some meat on the grill. It's only 830. I'm feeling good, boys we're and girls. Um, let's see. What have we... It's time to get into some real questions that we left from last time. Okay. I, I think it's going to be impossible for you to name one tool, but do you have one favorite tool that you that you can name? In my older age, I do. It's my cordless impact. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll find myself grabbing that cordless half inch impact to, you know, for everything because it it's just it's just so handy and so powerful now. Yeah. So you know, with the side by side trailers, all the stuff, you know all the work I've been doing on this little Jeep I've been fixing up. Yeah. Yeah. Now I don't have, um, I don't have a big heavy duty impact cordless, but my father-in-law did just buy me uh, for Christmas, a corded impact that can handle some serious torque. Oh yeah. And even just having that tool. I mean, it's just, it's something you need. It, it really is. is. Life's really too short. You know, when they first came out with them, they were all corded. Yeah. They mm -hmm. didn't have a battery strong enough to spin the motor. It needed to have any impact whatsoever. Right. Yeah. And those are game changers. I mean, they they made those big up to three quarter and one inch. Yeah. 
Same reason, like when I remember when Makita drills, that was what Nab Holtz used when yeah. the, the cordless ones first came out. And they would rate them by like how many three inch screws you can drive with this thing. And I don't know if they still do that, but I don't know. It wasn't a lot. It no, was not no, a lot. No. Those long red batteries that you had to, I mean, I remember that was, and that was like 2002. It's come way it's, from it's there. A, it's a game changer, the battery. Lithium um, changed everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Lithium ion versus NICAD, it's yeah. it's a game changer. Wait till we bottle wait till we bottle some some nuclear in there. Oh man, well, I don't I don't know nothing about nuclear, but I will go ahead and tell you my favorite Simpsons line ever. Okay. Was obviously Homer worked at a nuclear reactor. Yeah. And uh he was having some some meltdowns and he said, Who knew a nuclear reactor could be so complicated? <laughs> I just love that. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> just the innocence behind that is incredible. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, lithium ion, I priced lithium ion batteries for the golf cart and they are very expensive. Yeah. Uh, in, in the thousands yeah. to do it. Yeah. yeah. I thought when I got my kayak, oh man, I'm going to get me a lithium ion battery for my trolling motor. Holy cow. Nope. Yeah, hard pass. Yeah, I'm done. Um, I Not until they come down in, in price. That's, yeah, and, that's what I told Jessica. I said, we're going to do one more round of uh, lead-acid batteries, and uh, hopefully when those absolutely. are done, the, the, the lithium-ion <laughs> will be a little more affordable, like a Walkman five years after it came well, out. They've come already come out with some new technology that's going to change things quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. It, but I, And I've also noticed that I guess you can recycle used batteries, and so there's guys that are like, I think they're taking like Prius batteries and things like that and refurbing them for other applications that don't require as much as a car does running 80 miles an hour. Right. So, but yeah, right now we're going to have to hold off on the lithium ion batteries on yeah. the golf cart. We'll pass on that. Um, so favorite tool is a, is a heavy duty cord cordless impact. I, I, I 100% get that. I, I'm trying to think if I know my favorite tool. Oh, you know what? I know it, and it's in the video that we released this month, actually. Klein 5-in-1 screwdriver is literally the, the one tool that I think, if I could only take one tool with my pocket knife, that would be what it is. My son would probably agree. He's an electrician. Yeah, and that's where I got those. I mean, I, I fell in love with Klein when I was 18. Yeah. Um, and I realized it was a, just kind of a cut above as yep. far as tools go. And so I try and use as many as I can in a guitar repair field. It's kind of... It doesn't cross over a lot. A lot of electricians' tools are way too big, pliers and things like that. But uh, yeah, man, that five-in-one. There's it, things in there you don't need that strong of an earth magnet close to, too. No, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the five-in-one, this is why I think it's important, is it's going to teach you what the difference is between a number one, a number two, yes. different size flatheads. Yes, sir. It's going gonna, it's gonna to help you start to acknowledge what type of screw you're dealing with, because most of the time what happens is you have a screwdriver in your hand that you think it's going to be, and you're too lazy, or you don't have the means to go grab the proper screwdriver that will actually do the job properly. And that's how you're stripping stuff out, ladies and gentlemen. So Klein 5-in-1 is mine, and I think that costs you less than 10 bucks at Home Depot. It's cheap. Yep, it is cheap. Um, another one we have, and we've talked about Papaw Dunn a few yeah, times. I'm excited have. to hear this. You guys know me. I'm an old soul. I love hearing about uh, the past and, and people like Papaw Dunn. So what have you got for me? Well, there couldn't be a different. I mean, my two grandfathers were just completely different, but the same, if that makes any sense. 
Papa said very little. Of course, Granddad didn't have a lot to say either, but Papa was very soft, didn't have a lot to say. Um, he was working. He didn't have time for no nonsense. He was all business, but he ran the whole peach. He ran the whole farm, right? And a lot of times he had another orchard or two leased. Yeah, wow. So he was pretty much the Crowley's Ridge peach guy for years, right? Yeah. Well, I guess probably with Papa, the the two things, one of the things that I'll never forget is even when he was older than I am, much older than I am right now, when we got ready to dig potatoes every year, he had an old single row breaking plow like you pull behind a mule. And we put it behind the little Ford Jubilee, and I drove the tractor, <laughs> and he walked behind that plow and turned those potatoes over so he didn't tear his potatoes up. Wow. And we did that every year. I mean, up until he was way up in years and quit raising potatoes. So. Yeah. My favorite thing I ever saw, though, yeah, he was mean as a little pit bull. <laughs> Right. He wasn't a very big man. He was probably five nine. Uh always had good money twist running down both cheeks. Hank Hill's grandpa. Yeah, he hadn't yeah. shaved in three days because he ain't got time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Until he had to spray the and the and the spray dope, you know, from the spraying the peaches got in it and then he had to, oh. right? <laughs> anyway, so one day me and him are going from one of the farms to the other and we're cutting through this little this little, like a little ditch with a little bridge over it type deal. And we get out and we're moving some stuff on the other side. And I hear, you know, I hear a rattlesnake rattling. And I'm like, here we are. Yeah, Papa, we're out here. We got a peach crate, maybe. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? We're going to yeah. beat it to death with a peach crate. That's what's going on in my mind. I'm a little bitty. I'm th- this rattlesnake is... I'm not scared of snakes, but, you know, this rattlesnake's the king of the territory as far as I'm concerned. Papa runs over and he picks this limb up that's laying over there. And he starts running back and forth through that ditch. As he And as he goes running through the ditch, he's smacking it until he killed the rattlesnake with that switch. <laughs> Whoa. I'd Man. never seen anything like that in my life, you know. I'd seen my stepdad with too many Budweiser in him trying to get a raccoon that wasn't dead in a tow sack. And I thought that was funny. (laughs) (laughs) But when Papa killed that rattlesnake, now he was just on another level to me. He might as well have opened his shirt and had a big red S on his (laughs) chest, right? I couldn't have been maybe seven, eight, nine years old, you know. Wow. So that was phenomenal to me. That was one of the stories I'll never, ever, ever forget about him. Now, somebody brought you one of those peach crates recently, right? Yes. Isn't that awesome, man? That, it's incredible. So do you remember the whole backstory on how they even got it? No. The, somebody just found it somewhere at an estate sale or something. Wow. And it ended up at a friend of my daughter's antique, antique store, Rusty Gold. Yeah. Their friends, Andre and them, are, they're all good friends. And the minute he saw it, he knew what it was, and he let her know. That's cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll yeah. have to sneak that in sometime on a video and... Yeah, because yeah, it's absolutely. like brand yeah. new. And uh, speaking of rattlesnake my killers, aunt, hey, my aunt and my mom actually found the rubber stamp that we used to stamp those with. Oh wow! So yeah, it That's was pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of rattlesnake killings, we were out at my mother-in-law's property in Hampton, Arkansas, a while back, 
And uh, my father-in-law saw a small rat, and it was a it was a little rattlesnake. But still, that dude just walked over there and put the heel of his boot into the head of that thing. And I just I could not believe, you know, we talked earlier about some big balls. That's big balls. That's wild. Yeah. I, I mean, I just. Oh, look, you know, uh, how big, you know how big Zach is. Yeah. We used to have a big old rat snake that stayed in the yard until he got a taste for chicken and became a chicken eater, chicken eating rat snake. Then he had to go. But I left him in the yard for years. And I mean, he was, I've got pictures that. I'm not exaggerating. This 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 rat snake was probably 12 or 13 feet long or more. Mm. Well, he'd get in my wood pile, and I wouldn't want to scare him and have him strike at me or anything. So if I'd see his tail hanging somewhere, I'd just slowly pull him out and let him put his head on the ground. He just he just slither off, you know. One day I'm doing that. I don't think nothing about it. Zach's behind me. The next thing I know, he's skipping like a little 13 year old across the yard to get away. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know what? Uh, I, I remember that my grandpa Russum, when when I would go stay on the farm with him, that anytime he would always have, he'd call them little pet snakes that just kind of hung around that he knew. But anytime one of them shed, he would lay that stupid skin on the windowsill of the room I stayed in. And it all, I, you know how scared I am of snakes. Yeah. I don't mess with them things. Right. And uh, and I'm better about it now out here. Luckily, somebody put like a cartoon voice to a king snake a while back. Right. And it was talking about how good he is for your house. And <laughs> like, so I fell in love with this little cartoon king See, snake. I'm a little, I don't think there are any bad snakes. I mean, even growing up in rice field with cotton mouths, they all have their purpose. You know, if for one thing, if you didn't have some of those Vipers, you would have an overrun of varmints. You know, we'd have more mice than so you could get So tell me the purpose of, of the so, rattlesnake. Well, same thing. Rattlesnake gets rid of a lot of varmints. And oh, just, all right, I'll give you that. I'd just rather let other snakes do that. You know, <laughs> you know I, I try to let them be. I've always tried to let them be. I guess that's why I'm not scared of them. I've just always tried to let them be. Now, this coming up time of year here... Everything's broody and everything getting warm. Don't say copperheads. Yeah, man, those are those are some evil little women. When copperheads scare me, as when, so, when as, and I'm colorblind, women, so you know. Look here, when those little women are guarding their little broody, their little color deficient. But they yeah, are, oh my goodness, uh, they are very very aggressive. Yeah, and even the little guys are aggressive, huh? They are. They yeah. can be. Well, it, not that they're aggressive. It's that you mistaken them for being harmless. Right. It's yeah. more kids that get hurt by the small ones. They just look, you know, like they're, they're cute. Yeah. Right. But no, just got to watch them this time of year. And, you know, they're not that aggressive once they're through with that. I know people don't want to hear that, but most snakes are curious. Well, and I'll be honest. And a rattlesnake's not even curious. If you give him a minute and step away, he will go away. Well, and I grew up in Arizona for a while, so I'm not as scared of the rattlesnake because you could not ask for a better warning sign than a rattle. I mean, a rattlesnake is going to make it so apparent to you that he does not want you there yes. and that he does not want to have to strike. Yes. Um, that if you have to be dumb or deaf, and, and if you're deaf, then keep them eyes peeled. But Quick. yeah, if, if you hear that rattle, then you need to identify the direction it came from and you need to just walk the opposite direction. And that snake is going gonna, is gonna to probably do its thing and you just need to work in a different area. But rattlesnakes are not aggressive no. and, and I'm not as scared of them as I am those stupid copperheads. And then the other thing is water moccasins always freak me out. They're just curious. Oh, curious, my butt. But here's the other deal. When I went to Lake Chico with my wife a while back, yeah. and we were trying to go down this uh, 
creek or whatever you would call it canal to get to the lake those stupid snakes were just sitting in the branches looking at me talking about me i could see them talking about me and they they could see the fear in my eyes and that creeps me out to see those dudes just perched on some branches out there Yeah, those diamondback water snakes that everybody mistakens for cotton mouths they will light you up and they won't hurt you no but they're aggressive oh it hurts yeah it hurts when they bite you. It hurts. It, it's not going to hurt you. It make you may make you hurt yourself. But hard pass. But look, dude, they hurt. What do you do in a boat if a snake's coming at you? In the boat, you're in a boat. You don't have a five thousand horse motor or whatever you got on the back. Oh, of your you duck mean the boat. boats? The, the snake's not in the boat. He's not in there yet. You well, got a trolling he's, motor. He's he's chances are he's not going to get in the boat. Whatever, dude. They like to get up in there. <laughs> I, I would take the paddle and I would probably like try and fling it. Is that? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Just want to make sure that's proper yeah, etiquette. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. I'll let you get away with that. Yeah. Man. I'm into flinging a snake. If that's what no, I got to do, that's what I got to do. Don't, you know, in the middle where you are in the middle of St. Francis River where there's hundreds of them <laughs> and there's a cotton field that has no telling how many of them you got to walk through to get back oh, to the Hold truck. on. Let me take a note to never go to the St. Francis River so, right below Dog Patch notes. That's, that's where you don't want my Uncle Melvin and my Papa Dunn. Uncle Melvin was like you. He didn't care for snakes. And he shot a hole in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> One did fall out of a tree in the boat with him. <laughs> and he shot a hole in the boat. And Papa. They go take the boat up to the bank. He said, well, now you got to walk through that cotton field full of them. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? I so badly want to tell you John's two snake horror stories, but I need to get him on the podcast, and I think I'm going to center a lot of it we, around him. He's got two a, bad, bad stories. We need we need, uh, <clears throat> we need need uh, a third mic for that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If any of you guys want to donate the money to get a third Sure SM7B, <laughs> uh, please let me know. That would be I a lot of fun. I had to mortgage my house for the two that I have. That'd be a lot of fun with him thrown in the middle. Oh, man. It'd, it'd be, yeah. John John Baxter, if you're listening, you better be. Start start polishing up them snake stories. I'm ready. And uh, get ready to hang out with uh, Uncle Phil and myself. Um. So we talked about Papa Dunn. This is another one that I think is going to be great to follow that up with, which is what are some manners or some uh, just principles that you don't feel have really changed or or change with age? You know, I, I'm not a big I'm not big on some of the culture that's going on right now, um, because I've heard that you know. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You know, can be disrespectful to some people or, uh, you know, the way that you open a door for a woman or. And I do it without thinking. Right. You know, I, I do it because like the other day, it's it's because because a little old woman like my mom's trying to help somebody that's like her mom through a door. Valid. Yeah. Right. So you, I don't do it consciously a lot of times, but I know that there is a culture out there that don't respect that. You know what I mean? That that thinks that I am belittling or or something. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard to. I'll be honest. And I, I can't think that way. Yeah, I don't want to polarize any audience, but I don't. I don't think that those that type of person is listening. But it's the same for me. And that's that was uh, when I moved to the South. That was a huge deal for me. Was 
how friendly everybody was absolutely and, and how out of their way they would go how much out of their way they would go to help you and oh look man, and you it's know, a way was, of life and i love that way of life when we get on to another podcast and we talk about my other grandfather granddad ellis we'll go into some of the things that the community and the church used to do and it's just the you didn't worry about it I and mean, you didn't have to necessarily go to that church you remember that community you were taken care of that's just how it was. Yeah. You had someone sick. You had a death in a family. You had lost your job. They were going to find you odds and end jobs so you didn't starve until you found another job. I mean. Yeah, that's a culture that's definitely been lost. That, oh, it's lost. And, and, you know, of course, the Jolly Ellis community is uh, my family. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my hell, I have a lot of heritage there. So I had big footsteps that I had to feel that I felt like. And I always said, you know, my dad was one thing and he was a character, but my granddad was probably one of the few people that I'd put on such a pedestal that I say he was almost like a saint or an apostle that walked on earth. I mean, he was just that wow, yeah, kind that's and considerate to every, and, and I don't just mean people, every living creature on earth he was that respectful to. Yeah. Yeah. That's pacifism to a whole new level. It's oh, just... Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'm sure that when we talk about the dog patch story, my grandma probably beat some of it into him. But <laughs> but anyway, you know, those were, and I think that's lost. You know, p- kids nowadays w- really yearn to be held that accountable. You may not think they do, but they yearn for that accountability. Yeah, some structure as well. We yeah, were held yeah. so accountable. Yeah. And and I'll be honest, you know, nowadays, one thing, it don't bother me because I'll sit down and carry on a conversation with a six-year-old if there's four of us that are adults in the room. When I was growing up, that was a no-no. You know, when you were a kid and you were sitting around the grown-ups, you could listen all you want. You never had anything <laughs> of enough importance to inject an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. You were there to be seen and not yeah. heard. That's definitely another thing that has changed. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, And it was just so different now. And, and, and you'll find yourself as a codger that once in a while you're like, well, that so-and-so really didn't have much to add. <laughs> you know, but I tell everybody, man, I'm too broke to judge. So that, that's yeah. why you know how I am. I get along with most everybody. I'm just too broke to judge anymore. Yeah, I'm yeah. so broken myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, a couple that come to my mind, um, and obviously I want to touch on many more of oh, these I've throughout got, this whole deal. You know, yeah. but um, one that kind of pops in mind is. Like uh, there were certain elements of how you dress that you just kind of have to remember as far as uh, cleanliness of your look. And one thing that a lot of people don't understand or, or know what I'm talking about is when I say what your gig line and that's your button to your belt to your zipper. Absolutely. And I was always taught that that needed to be perfectly lined up. Absolutely. And and when you're wearing a dress shirt, there's no wrinkles in the front. All that's the right. puff is pulled to the back and that's the wrinkles right. as well. And Folded I just feel like that kind of stuff's been lost a little bit. Well, it has. I mean, I was going to say, you know, when I was growing up and once we, uh, you know, I've, I've talked a little bit about my uncle and my dad and, and the farm shops. Once we really started working on diesel equipment and we weren't doing as much farming, I went toward with dad and kind of followed that. It was really, um, it was really kind of ironic to watch, to watch the change in people. All right, for instance, I was in school, so working in the farm shop, they closed at five or five thirty every day, right? Mm-hmm. Especially it was hot, you know, six at the latest. 
well, I couldn't get enough hours a week to pay for my hot rod. You know, I had my first hot rod when I was 15, even though dad didn't let me drive it. I was still working on it in his backyard. So what I remember about that is that I went to get a second job and I went to the Sonic to get a second job. And I wore a suit to my interviews. Yeah, absolutely. You know, later on in life after that, same deal. Couldn't get enough hours. I was still doing my diesel work, but I needed a night job. Right? Yeah. I go to Piggly Wiggly to get a job in the produce section there as, as a night manager and I wear a suit to the interviews. I mean, not even yeah. a night manager. I'm sorry, a stockman. Just just a rolling the cart out, throwing lettuce on the shelf. Yeah. I go in a suit to that <laughs> interview. That's just the way you did it. And had my dad seen me go to any interview, if it was digging ditches and I wouldn't have been properly dressed. And so later in life, when I got on into auto being an auto mechanic, for instance, and I applied for a couple of jobs, they really didn't know how to take me when I come in, you know, as a, yeah. because in Memphis, they just already weren't doing that. It wasn't like over there in Northeast Arkansas, where I was from. It didn't matter whether it was McDonald's, whether it was a stockman at a grocery store. You didn't necessarily have to wear a suit and tie, but everybody dressed in a Sunday yeah. attire, right? Yeah. It didn't matter what interview you went to. Yeah, and you know what? Um, we're getting close to the time that we need to end it, but I think let's save any more that you have, and I want to expand on this interview process because we've been going through this at work. We've okay. been we're we're hiring a new full time guy for the shop, right? To hopefully free me up to do some more things that I'm that I was used to doing with the business. Um, and uh, first of all, oh, oh, one quick tip I wanted to say: you brought up suits earlier. Gentlemen, if you've never worn a suit and you think that the pockets on the outside are fake because they're stitched across the top, you're supposed to cut that stitch. You're supposed to open those pockets up. Also, know that um, what do they call the the little the pleat in the back or the uh, yeah for um, the tail? Yeah, the tail. There's always a stitch at the bottom of that tail that you need to cut as well. So, just a quick note. But always unbutton your bottom button before you sit Always down. unbutton the very bottom button. If it's a four coat or a four button, you leave the bottom button open. If it doesn't matter how many buttons there but are. But when you go when you sit down, you always additionally you, open an additional button. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want your yeah. suit to all bunch up and push up your shoulders yeah. to your ears. And since we're throwing some tips out there as far as dressing classy, and I'm talking classy, folks, when you put a tuxedo on, um, the only jewelry you are supposed to wear is a wedding ring. Did you know that? Yes, sir. Um, and and for me, I was in orchestral situations a lot, and you are not supposed to wear any sort of cologne or anything with a strong odor because it's going to distract the other musicians or people that are participating in whatever you are. So keep those things in mind, too. I think the deal is looking professional, it's a huge... It, it, Obviously, it can be out of place in 2021. Like, you wouldn't come interview in my music store for a repair shop wearing a suit and tie. It would be awkward, but there's still... I would have a tucked... I would have a tucked button-up shirt in, and that's... that's, And I would probably wear some khakis or some dress I pants. Wanted, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sorry. I just... Yeah. Here's the deal. And, and people mistaken this. You're not doing this always for the person that you're going to interview across the desk with. You need something to build your own confidence. And if you feel good about the way you look when you walk in that door and you don't look across and go, oh, wow, that guy's so dressed so much nicer than me. You can go one of two ways. You can either have it as a confidence builder 
where you can walk in there not prepared and immediately be down one because in the back of your mind, you're like, ooh, I might should have dressed better. Yeah. Take that one out of the equation. Absolutely. It's always a confidence yeah. builder. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, one other thing that, that we had somebody do, they cussed all through the interview. I mean, the first interview, they, they cussed a couple times, and I thought, you know what? It's it's a rock and roll. It's music. I'll let it slide, even though I would never do that in my interview. And then when we went to do that second interview, he dropped the F-bomb multiple times um, it, to the point to where Phil said, hey, man, on a, on a professional note, are you used to cussing this much in an interview? And the guy said, well... Um, I just figure I'm going to be myself, and if you can't handle that, then there's nothing I can do about it. And and that was the end of the interview for well, Phil. Well, it would have had to have been. I mean, you yeah. got to remember yeah. that y'all have church musicians, and this is yeah. not just a rock and roll studio. Yeah, you got to be a chameleon. Yeah. I've been in there and seen, I mean, and, and I know lots and lots of people that think the world of you guys that look at Preston and all the things that he supports. Right, yeah. It yeah. would just go against everything. You can never have something in there. I mean— Overall, Phil's got to look out for y'all's reputation. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, that guy did not make the cut, and then the and other could thing, have been a fantastic employee. Yeah. You never know, right? Yeah, yeah. He could you have know, been. Yeah. But you're looking for all these, and this is uh, Phil told me this, which is incredible. He said you're not trying to qualify the candidate; you're trying to disqualify him. That's right. You're trying to find out every potential thing that that person's going to have wrong that's going to not work with your business model or your family vibe or whatever you've got going on in that business. So think about that. And then the other one, and this is especially important, you know, not as I've been with Preston for a long time now, but you have to fine tune your resume for the job you're applying for. It's not always, it's not just a standard. I worked at Chick-fil-A. I worked at this auto parts store a couple months. I worked here and there. And then I did social media for my high school and I played in the worship band you need to tailor that resume to the job that you're going for. Your references need to be the same way. We'll give a quick example. Jeff, my buddy I always talk about. Yeah. And I'm going to make him listen to these. He already asked today about them. Anyway, when he was, when I met him, him and his twin brother run a drywall business. His brother still does. Huge, successful building business. He wanted to get out of it. He was bound and determined that he was going to get out of it. So I said, look, here's what you do. He got his window certification. I will cut this real short and say, when I tweaked his resume, do you think that anybody in my industry cared how many times he had swung a hammer or done anything with drywall? I know this is an extreme example. So what I did is I took where he had helped me do jobs, helped me do different things, and I tweaked his resume to a point to where it looked like he had three to four years of experience in the field he was trying to come in at. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm not saying lie. I knew he was capable. I knew what he was doing. And we really didn't fudge because he had helped me do lots of stuff while he was learning. What I'm saying is you wouldn't have wanted to walk in there and talk, well, I've done 14, uh, 25 years of drywall and I've done this and you're Absolutely. trying to be an yeah. IT tech. Yeah, and, and I ran into that, you know, obviously – I've had, well, we don't need to go into that, but, but I've had to, I've had to tweak my resume in, in weird ways in the, in the past because of, you know, half of what I do is music. Half of what I do is on the the mechanical hands-on sort of, you know, physical labor side of things. And that's hard to present both of those on a resume and make it cohesive for somebody to be impressed by it. But yeah, be able to back up whatever you're going to, whatever you're going to brag about. 
Don't put something on there that you cannot speak intelligently about. We actually had a, a skills assessment that they that they went through and answered, and it was blatantly obvious with a few people. And I knew in my mind if it's a zero or one to five rating, if anybody puts a five on on a master level of any of these, I'm going to assume that they're that they're full of it and that they probably do not. I as much experience as I have in guitar repair, there wouldn't be any fives for me. You know, maybe restringing a, a guitar. My boss used to get on to me because I had done disaster recovery. I'd done a lot of the things I've done for so many years that I could do them blindfolded backwards. And when I did my assessment, I was never over a four, right? I was always a novice with a lot of experience. I would never carry myself to an expert. Yeah. It's just, it's it's a way that I choose to kind of carry myself, I think. I'm always willing and open and able to learn to be better and more always, efficient. I was always constantly learning. <laughs> yeah, that's the deal. I love it. Yeah. I do too. Um, and you know what's funny? Speaking of restrings, this is... I didn't even put this together until I just said that I've been restringing guitars. I can't even put a number to it. I could try and tell you how many I've done, but for, for eight years of my life, I did, you know, three to four guitars a day, five days a week. So I've strung a lot of guitars. I have a very specific method, which I have in document form with pictures and arrows and everything in between the other day. I was stringing the guitar, which I don't even do anymore because I usually just hand it off to one of my guys and say, do you mind restringing my guitar for me? But we're training a new apprentice. I wanted to lighten the load on it. I said, you know what? I'll knock this restring out. And I learned a new part of the technique that made it even quicker. After 20 plus years of restringing guitars, I okay. said to myself, you just turned three steps into one with the flick of a wrist. You know what you got to do? Save it for a video. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, I've I just put those Kaiser videos out. So this was post this was post Kaiser videos. If you guys haven't seen those, I did some repair sort of videos for Kaiser musical products. You should check them out. They're pretty sweet. We're really proud of them. They put money behind it. I put effort behind it. But my point is, so we literally just documented that less than six months ago, and I've done thousands of restrings. And I just turned three steps into one and completely blew my own mind. And that would have been something that I would have circled a five on. So that's what I'm saying. You know, play the humble card when you're going into that stuff, because we've heard so many people come in and say, you know, this is my dream job or and those things are kind of scary to me to hear that now with people. I want to hear that you're just a humble dude just looking for some work and is will, are willing to listen and work hard and fall in line until you get your own path and you can start to shine. Yeah. And that's hard to find these days. It is. So, man, we could talk about everything for forever. Part three, I guess. I guess we'll have to. Part three. Uh, we have a valve cover gasket to change. We got some We got a dry to tip to put on the we PK. We got to go cook that. Your bride's going to be oh, upset Oh, my goodness. My bride will be upset, but uh, she she will eat however late it gets. I promise you. I understand. Um, let's see. Some things you guys need to go check out. Klein 5-in-1 screwdriver. Go get yourself a cordless impact. If you can't afford that, get a corded impact. Check on your uh, lawn maintenance tools or your landscaping tools, as I would say. If you're going to use a chainsaw, buy a steel. That's my personal opinion. Keep it sharp. Keep bar oil next to you. Keep good, clean, ethanol-free fuel. Um, I think that's enough. 
You ready to do some more work? Clean living, brother. Uncle Phil, I love you, buddy. I'm looking forward to part three. Let's go cook some food. Let's do it. Let's do it.